Welcome back to Chaos Cast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health. On the panel today, we have three people here from Microsoft. We have Emma Irwin, Justin Gosses, and James Siri. So welcome to the podcast, and we'll just start with a few introductions. I think, Emma, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Great to be here, Dawn. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Emma. I work on the Open Source Programs Office at Microsoft as a Principal TPM, Technical Program Manager. I've been here for three and a half years. Before that was at Mozilla, being part of the Chaos community for a long time and love being part of the Chaos community. So I'd only say that I also live on Vancouver Island in Canada. So it's just before school here in Canada. Welcome, Emma. James, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm James Siri. I'm a senior technical program manager at Microsoft. Been here for almost two years. Before that, I was at Amazon. I was fortunate enough to be at the open source programs office there. I love open source and I love solving problems. So very excited to be here. I've been a fan of the Chaos Project for a handful of years now. And so I'm just excited to be involved. Awesome. Thanks, James. Justin, how about you? Hi, my name is Justin Gassis. I'm a senior program manager who works on Microsoft's open source programs office team. And I've been here for two years. And before that, I worked as a um, contractor on open data and open source over there. And before that, as a uh, geologist at BP. Microsoft, I focus on reducing friction and increasing incentives for sharing code, both externally and internally. Thanks, Justin, and welcome everyone. Why don't we start with sort of a general question? Why don't you talk just a little bit about your approach to using metrics within Microsoft? First, say that it's multi-pronged or multi-tier. There's no single approach to metrics at Microsoft from the OSCO perspective. Of course, Microsoft being much broader and metrics having so many implications to different teams and organizations. But in the OSCO, there's a few different ways that we think about it and some of the problems that we solve there. A lot of things that I've worked on are more about trying to understand what our maintainers are trying to understand and what brings value to the products that they're building, to the communities that they're trying to grow, and looking for themes across multiple projects. So rather than any one thing or trying to be prescriptive about a metric, although that might be different from the security perspective, but around community health, really trying to understand what is most helpful and then trying to bring co-build or co-design the solutions to that. So that's working with maintainers, I guess, is one way to put that. There's also a ton of work that actually Justin can speak more about specifically to component intelligence, like helping people understand their upstream, making decisions about the upstream, and, and pro providing the metrics, many aligned with chaos metrics models. So won't go too deep into that because I know Justin probably will. So that'd be a second one. And then a third one that I can think of, and I'm sure that I'm missing some, would be around some of the engineering standards work that we do on GitHub. And that's really James's area of expertise, like trying to create an understanding, uh, motivation, and compelling metrics that move people to action around the things that we need them to do on GitHub. So things like making sure their codes are secure, secret scanning, various standards that get too much into those that James can, can expand there. So those are the three that come to mind. And of course, within each one of those kind of three buckets, there's like how do we motivate people? How do we iterate on these metrics? How do we identify a set of people or repositories or projects that most need these metrics? And thinking about cohorts, the grouping piece is something also that Justin can speak to. So it's not all things for all people or all things for all projects, but 
across all of these three, I would say that that's important work too that both Justin and James can speak to. So that's my summary. Please fill in any holds that I left there, team. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely focus a lot more on the GitHub side and the metrics department. It's not just tracking the popularity of metrics in general. It's also trying to figure out a lot of the tooling information because Microsoft's been on GitHub for many years now. And so there's been a lot of leeway given to get things going fast and get things put up. And so we're kind of entering a phase where we're more aligning with supply chain and things like that. And so trying to understand what's actually actively happening day to day in our CICD environments and trying to understand ways that we can build policy and tooling that strengthens us from a security perspective, but then makes life a lot easier for our developers and users. Those are the main focus areas for myself when I'm looking at metrics or thinking about metrics. Justin, did you want to add to that? I tend to kind of think about metrics, similar categories to what like Emma said. So there's metrics work that we do for maintainers. And then there's work that we do for ourselves. And then there's like work for management, which is like largely around describing scope and type of activity that occurs across 13,000 repositories. And then the new one, I think that we've started to build some prototypes for helping developers make good decisions around what components that they consume. Perfect. Thank you. So you've recently done some work around security metrics and data at scale. Can you talk more about that and some of your observations about using chaos metrics for that? So I can speak to the open SSF scorecard, which was the very, very first experiment that we ran around bringing. I think it's our first sort of implemented experiment, although we've done a lot of informal ones. And I believe the open SSF scorecard is part of the viability metrics model, but it's one that we've talked about a lot in chaos meetings around security. So it obviously turns up a lot. And our experiment was to see if we could Microsoft, we have sort of like a dashboard, we could call our open source portal, there's various informations from maintainers about their repository. And so we posted the score for every single repository in our Microsoft organization and started to socialize that to see if we could get people to move the needle. So this is squarely around the motivation piece. We could get people to, first of all, go look at it to do something to improve it, and three, continually to make that part of their culture. The third one, I'll say I haven't really cracked that nut, how do you understand culture is its own <laughs> metric, but I did try motivations around, you know, if you move this and report it, then I'll do X, like some sort of extrinsic award. We did see some uptake there. We did see some people not necessarily bite at the incentive, but more describe how they were already doing this, which was really already using the scorecard. So they felt like it was nice that they could fit into or surface that to their managers, like here is something like the company cares about or that things is important. And so they could align their work with it. Others, I think there's a GitHub action around it, you know, new ways to implement it for themselves. So we learned a lot as much as we taught in that process. So that was the early days. That was, I think, late last year or early last year. So we continue to have that in the repository, but we're moving on a little bit from there. So I'll just stop there and hand off to Justin. So we um, see a lot of opportunities here to combine metrics models from chaos and parts of secure software supply chain um, efforts that overlap. So when you take chaos community health metrics and look at them from the other um, end, from the standpoint of consumers of a package, as opposed to like 
maintainers of that package. That tells you something about the potential um, sustainability of the component. And so we've been using data sourced from APIs that have been built for secure supply chain reasons. So like depths.dev, ecosystem.ms, and APIs from the Open Source Security Foundation. And so the thing about all of those APIs that's really, really great is that they are populated for like every major package manager and all the uh, GitHub repositories that build those components. And so we can then build a experience for developers who are who are evaluating whether or not they want to consume a particular dependency and give them warnings on if there's a potential sustainability problem with that component. So we're uh, combining chaos metric models about the sustainability of a component with all this like raw metadata and components and repositories that's been collected and put in place by the security community. So let me follow up on that just a little bit. In doing that, what were some of the scale challenges that you experienced and what did you learn about overcoming some of those challenges and using metrics at scale? Because once you start analyzing all of these dependencies, you end up with an awful lot, right? Scale becomes a problem and I'm curious how you address that. Yeah, right now, the experience that we've built so far is focused on developers who are starting a project. And so they have probably not written any code yet or they've written only a very small amount of code. And so to any given project, developers don't think about whether or not to like use every single dependency and a transitive dependency, right? They kind of think about maybe one or two at the most. And so for right now, we're just focusing on a experience that can help them make good data-informed choices about those like one or two dependencies where they're not sure if they should use like A, B, or C, or like whether they should like uh, stick to the thing that they've used in the past or try out the new thing that someone uh, told them about. So we're trying to give them um, information that's um, across a couple of different categories of like risks. So there is compliance rules that people have to follow in terms of like vulnerable dependencies and licenses. And so we're trying to provide some like warnings regarding those things to people before they actually start like uh, writing any code because our existing tooling typically only tells people these things during um, build events. And by that time, they've already like written some code, which they probably don't want to like throw away. So we're trying to tell them those things before they have spent any time writing any code. And then also we're trying to give people some warnings about like sustainability risks. So says a given repository or a given component have a um, active community behind it, or do they tend to respond to things that are very slow or has the project just not seen any activity for a very long time? So like these are like all things that people could like figure out themselves if they went to the like source repository and like read through things, but that takes time and people don't have time. And so we're trying to give people all those things on a single page really, really fast. And then the 
last term aspect is the developer experience. So that's something that tends to only be a risk if you call a particular dependency on a lot. So it's like totally on a risk sometimes as opposed to um, most of the time. But it's things like, does it have like standard files? Does it have documentation? Do other people at Microsoft use that dependency, et cetera? That's great. I really like that approach. I mean, it's something that I think every company I've ever worked in has struggled a bit with developers. They just sort of pull things in and they don't really think about the implications of it. So I love the idea of having a place, sort of a dashboard where people can look and get some of that information to help them make better decisions. It's not that they're trying to make bad decisions, right? They're just really, really busy people and sometimes get really keen on something that they don't know a lot about. It's a real challenge. And so that's a really interesting solution. I like that. I would add that from an OSPO perspective, it's really nice to have a place to send people like that. So you get a ton of questions or people, you know, asking, can I use this? Should I use this? And being able to say, oh, here's a place you can go and answer that for yourself is like a huge help to a busy OSPO. Also, it gives us a place to surface the kind of security guidance to our users in a very easy way about this kind of stuff as well. So instead of having seven different portals that users need to go to, instead, we can kind of collect all this information into a one-stop shop kind of. So we all know that open source impact is not always external, right? Lots of us have worked within companies. Can you talk more about the business impact of open source within Microsoft and in particular, maybe some of the metrics discussions that you have around that business impact? Of course, open source is a core component of how Microsoft approaches software development at this point. It's prolific across almost all industries. We not only want to understand where it's being used, but also how it's being used, because we also want to build an internal community around the open source that we use. If somebody has solved a problem, we don't need other people reinventing that wheel. And so one of the things that I know Justin has really been great at is surfacing that kind of information to users and trying to build internal community around that in hopes to reduce the overall amount of time it takes for our developers to get new features out, new products out and the like. But it's also a huge concern for us when it comes to security in the supply chain. We're making big efforts towards trying to get SBOMs to be more prolific across the industry and generating SBOMs for all of our packages so that we can have proper provenance of where software is coming from. And we want to make sure that it's coming from trusted sources. It's being built on platforms that we don't have any concerns about malicious actors getting access and indirectly impacting our end users. It's a key thing that I think about every day. And I know it's the key thing that our security people think about every day. And so we do a lot of contacting our internal users about how many repos they own, if there's an active community on it, ensuring that they understand that there's specific things that might need to be changed or improved or taking an opportunity to even call them out and say like, hey, you're doing a really good job. Thank you for the work that you're implementing. And we do that via, we call it maintainer mailer that we try and send quarterly. And so it's just a personalized mailer that allows us to go through and do all of that on a single location. I guess we like to kind of consolidate things into a single location because one of the big problems we've had is getting interaction with open source. When people think open source, they don't particularly think that there's any rules. They just think, oh, free software. And so when we're at the scale that Microsoft's at, we need to put some guardrails on to make sure that our developers are safe and our users are safe. If we consolidate that down to the dashboard for looking up dependencies or single email that they receive quarterly, we're putting all of our eggs in a basket But we're definitely getting more interaction than we were and having a better ability to actually track that. So bringing it all back around to metrics, 
we can actually have surveys to see, has this been useful for you? And trying to improve our processes in order to make, again, everyone's lives easier. I would add on to the internal value for external participation. I think uh, something that we run into it, like in helping maintainers is how do they describe that value in their reviews? Like how do they show that open source is having an impact on the business? And when you're out, you know, contributing to open source, although like this is something we encourage every single person to do, I sometimes come to those reward times, like how do we help people talk about that? And one of the line items in this maintainer email that James was describing was that we have a line about the number of internal Microsoft repositories or products that benefited from an external contribution. So I think we're continuing to build that out. People definitely perked up when they saw that from a personal perspective that they could see, oh, like this one or two contributions that I made had an impact on 700 products at Microsoft like that. You know, that's a tremendous type of thing to just be able to say just from a pride perspective. I mean, in open source, if you can talk about how you've made a difference, most of us can write off that as a great thing. But if they can also then take it to a rewards discussion or help a team pitch for resources or that kind of thing, I think that, that we're a little bit onto something there. And that's, again, Justin's work. So that's one of the things that I could think of. Okay, so final question from me. This is about the future. So you guys are doing lots of really great things. So where is Microsoft going next with metrics? And what are some of the things you'd like to measure in the future? One um, area that we've been talking about recently is in funding and trying to leverage some of the existing metrics work and uh, data work that we've done to make funding both be little easier of a conversation and also get perhaps a um, better return on investment of that funding um, as well. So like Emma's done a um, lot of like funding of awesome work at Microsoft. And so like some areas that we're trying to understand if we can um, leverage them, I mean, include the upstream contributions um, data set. And if there is a way to direct some of those upstream contributions to components that have very high impact at Microsoft, and then also for the work that we've done to help developers make good dependency consumption decisions, you can take some of those metrics from around sustainability and potentially to identify components where a financial attribution would have a higher return on investment. So there's um, lots of unanswered questions there, but those are some of the areas that we've talked about potentially working on soon. That's great. The funding piece is something that I know is something of interest to lots of people. And I think we're still trying to figure out how to apply metrics for that. So I hope when you make some progress in that, that you bring it back into our OSPO working group meetings. I know there are definitely other people who'd love to learn from you. A lot of our work has actually been thinking about the package selection from developers has been inspired by the chaos stuff. So it'd be great for us to be able to bring it back to you once it's a little bit more mature and we've kind of hammered out all the little breaking things right now. <laughs> so the last part of the podcast are some very quick value adds, something that brought value or meaning to your life recently. Mine is that on Monday, I finally got my permanent residency approval. 
So as you can tell from the accent, while I do live just outside of London, I am indeed American and I got my approval for permanent residency, which allows me to live in the UK for as long as I would like. That was super exciting. And that just like made my whole month. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, Dawn. I know I saw that recently and was cheering for you too. So that's awesome. So I felt my answer is kind of boring, but I'll give it anyways. Really just having time off over the holidays and being able to be outside. And I think we were really lucky here on the West Coast anyways. The weather was a lot better than it is today. And so I got out lots with my doggies for walks outside and disconnected from technology as much as possible. So that opportunity to step back from work is actually helpful to work, I think, because sometimes I found myself thinking about problems, but I'm away from the computer and it's just a whole other way to think about things. And I really just loved it. So I'm back and energized. Rest is super important. Justin, how about yours? I uh, recently was on a uh, 15-hour flight, which is a really long flight, but I read a book, Eleanor Holstrom, a intellectual biography, and I uh, really enjoyed it because I've read a few of Eleanor Holstrom's papers and articles before. And so like this was a compilation of everything that she's done. So I felt as if I had read like 20 books, but it was just one, which was great. And like some of her work is influenced thinking about open source as well, of course. So that's why it popped into my head. It's always good to read things that make us think. Uh, James, what's your value add? My value add is I have been recently reconnecting with creating art and music. I took about a 15 year break from doing both of those to make my way through the rest of high school and all of university and then get my career established. And now I'm kind of getting back to a point where I'm feeling back in that headspace. And so it's been really fun to reconnect with that. And it's crazy how much sense memory people have and connect to music and art. And so, you know, I've been getting to re-experience a lot of memories that I hadn't thought about for a long time and kind of start seeing the world a little bit differently again and start the act of creation all over again. That's not just software. Software is great and there's always a creative process in that, but it's nice to be able to hold something in your hands or hear a thing that you've put your blood, sweat and tears into. So it's been something that I've been very fortunate to be able to do as of late. And so that's what brings me joy right now. Sounds like fun. So I wanted to just thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope all of you listeners enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community.